Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages. And mutants. And mutants! Of course, our fellow mutants. Get out of my head, Charles! <laughs> it is us! You're... Fuck you, Charles! Fuck you, Charles! <laughs> yes, that's right, getting blunt force already. It is us, you know who we are. It's on the damn label on our Podbean and our website and all that. If you don't know who we are by now, I'm sorry. We are the Blunt Force Gamers. Yes, and uh, unfortunately, Kazrakan is out again this week, so hello, Moniker. Hello. Hello, Blasphemous. Hello. And it is I, Goblin. Kazrakan is doing real life shit, so... Real happens life. the best of us. Real life lore dragon shit. Real life lore dragon shit. Some about cleaning up his nest. Mm-hmm. Apparently a bunch of surly paladins are looking at things with a microscope. So Indeed. Um I wanna open up this podcast before we roll the intro with a big I'm sorry from the misplacer beast for that epic rant I did last week. Two epic rants. I did two oh Jesus. Um so Blasphemous wishes to open this week with his rebuttal with Mandalorian, so we're just gonna roll the intro and get right onto that. You ready though? Let's roll. Let's do it. Alright, rolling. Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. (laughs) Welcome to the Showcase Showdown. Uh, before you get into Mandalorian, I would like to say one thing that is newsworthy uh, about that. Mm-hmm. Disney has lost so much money. Uh, Disney Plus, still pissing people off. But if you live in a foreign country and you are listening to this podcast and you wish to watch Mandalorian, there is this wonderful invention called a VPN, which will allow you to watch it in your home country if you can't see that. Uh, Disney Plus or Netflix or Hulu, you can still watch stuff from other places by saying, oh, my computer's from there by using the power of a VPN. And Disney Plus, of course, is hemorrhaging subscribers left and right. But the other news that's just... It takes me back to Spaceballs. You know, uh, when they meet Yogurt. And he's like, merchandising, merchandising. The kids love this one. Spaceballs, the flamethrower, the kids love it. Uh, the merchandising for Mandalorian went sideways because... It did? It did. They were avoiding a leak, understandably, but they were also did not understand demand. Okay, so on one hand, total business sense, you know, they're avoiding a leak because they have put out toys in the past for uh, movies... And then people are like, whoa, this character's in the movie, and then there's a leak, and then, you know, curious people figure out shit beforehand, and, yeah, bad stuff. Anyway, the, the, the leak they were trying to avoid, and they did not print off enough of the toy. And Star Wars toys right now are laughable when trying to get those things off the fucking shelf. And the toy that they did print, they did not print enough of, because there's so much demand for it. Like, they were not expecting demand, because the last few years have been shit. Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda. Yeah. The child. Yep, so 50-year-old Baby Yoda, they did not print enough toys, 
Plus, they withheld shipments and uh, letting distributors know they had that toy in the fucking storerooms because they wanted to avoid leaks. So two, one good idea, one not so good idea. Both of them came together and Disney is losing a shit ton of money because there's not enough baby Yodas to go around. So that's what I wanted to open with, but you got Mandalorian the rest of it. So uh, counter my uh, rant last week for 40 minutes on the shitstorm of Star Wars. Okay, so... I've rewatched it again since it's been a week since I was going to do this. So, there's been a meme going around, which has been really hilarious. The two most popular shows at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020 are about two single fathers just trying to get uh, make it in the world and keep their little ones safe. The Witcher, which I haven't seen because I can't really be fucked to watch it. And The Mandalorian, which I'm really glad I waited until the end. That way I could catch all the episodes in a row, and it took me like three hours. 40k slobs. It's you're, him, not me. Hey, you were just jealous. Our Emperor's better. Sure. Tyranids sure. make great monsters on a D&D mat. They do. And they're the only good part of that universe. Oh. Yeah, they are. And I know who can defeat the Tyranids. Hmm. Ellen Ripley. <laughs> Pow! Put that in your pipe and smoke it. No. But back to the Mandalorian. Um. So with the Mandalorian, it starts out bounty hunter, brown armor, totally not Django or Boba Fett. Big build up of screenshots and all kinds of stuff, and he just goes on a couple missions. Right, capture some people. He's a badass. He's the best at what he does. He's all right. He makes it by. It really feels like a western, like those... That's what they were going for. Yeah, and that's... Because that's what bounty hunters are. They're the fucking cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, like that first scene, you know, I can bring you in, what was it, cold or whatever. Like the dude who got, like, fucking snapped in half by the door. I'm fine that, you, you know, you don't even see the guts and gore. Like, that's just brutal. Oh, dude. <laughs> like, that first scene was something else. And then it just continues on from there. I mean, you... Get into, uh, sorry, hold on. Darth Blasphemous is currently engaged in fucking around with his magic cards. Uh, no, I had to make sure something was in my bag, because after waking up, I totally thought I forgot something at the shop. But it's there. Um. The shop papa. Shop papa. So you get this western vibe. He yeah. picks up a job. He goes after this 50-year-old target. He's thinking, alright, 50-year-old, maybe a little, you know, getting to be a geriatric, what have you. No, instead he finds the child. And he kills a droid, and you begin to figure out that he really doesn't like droids. He kills a droid, dude. You can't just gloss over the IG droid. That scene was badass. It, true, I mean, this thing is basically doing gun kata. Yeah, yeah, like, um, one of the things I was always curious about growing up, you know, um, having watched Star Wars, and especially Empire, was how does, how do the, uh, bounty hunter droids, how do those work? Because... You know, you see, like, all the other droids you see, they're kind of clunky, kind of not very uh, mm -hmm. mobile or agile. So, seeing it how it worked, that was that was freaking cool. The only thing I didn't like was how I was like, ah, oh, I have a self-destruct. I'm going to use it now. Bounty Hunter, Bounty Hunter has to tell him, like, four times to not do that. Yeah. So, they go through, he gets the child. He gets helped by an Ugnot. We saw them in episode five. five? Yeah. Yeah. They were in Bespin. Yeah. 
Which is weird, because I guess I had a bad VHS, because they always looked a lot darker skinned than that one. Uh, to be fair, I think the only time you saw Ugnuts, they were kind of in that foundry thing, so the lighting was kind of dark and whatnot. Yeah, I, well, I knew they weren't the green-skinned ones. But, um, those North are different Hutta, best Hutta. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so he gets help from an Ugnaught, does all this stuff, uh... And his ship gets uh, completely dismantled by fucking Jawas. That was fucking funny. <laughs> and he has to try and chase him down, and he totally fails. So you see that he's fucking not perfect. Yeah. Right? He's not a fucking Mary Sue, Marty Sue, what have you. Yeah. It- Marty! <laughs> oh, Marty! Once we get this spaceship up to 88 miles per hour, the Emperor's gonna, like, shit his pants! So it totally feels like a western, and not just that, but it also feels like a uh, almost like a D and D campaign. Shit happens when you're not there. Now your new mission is to get all your shit back, and instead of just going and eviscerating the entire fucking uh, Jawa convoy, he ends up doing a job for them, collecting a mudhorn egg, which is weird because it just looks like a giant rhino. Was it, it the, was it the same creature that was in episode two? You know, in the Coliseum. No, uh, that was no. not a mudhorn. No, that was definitely not a mud horn. Okay. I know what you're thinking of, and no. Yeah, okay. the the red one with three horns. Yeah, that thing. No, different. Okay. But um, those creatures were the best part. Of so that. he ends up trying to take it on. He's about to die, and Baby Yoda is like, "I use force powers." So you can see he's not really a baby. He has 50 years of experience, and he just plays the cute angle for survival. Hmm. Because for some reason, bipedal humanoids really like cute things. And if he plays along, then they'll take care of him. <laughs> so, I mean, so, this okay. Skipping so he's a ahead, mooch is what you're saying, kind of. But this little fucker, fuck, <laughs> he force chokes a bitch, literally. Yeah. So you see, it's not all light side. So, anyways, you see all this going. He goes and turns him. He gets fucking Beskar, the Mandalorian fucking super uh, metal. They can take blaster hits and fucking barely scar. It can fucking, for a little while, resist a lightsaber, right? So he does all this for that. Then after getting his armor made, changes his mind, goes back to rescue the child. It was Baby Yoda. And kills a bunch of stormtroopers to do it. Lights a motherfucker on fire. Yeah. Like, it's fucking hardcore. Steals back Baby Yoda. And just is like, I'm going to take care of you. We're going to get the fuck out of here. And then all the other Mandalorians, because they're in like an enclave under the city in the secret tunnels, you know. A bunch of them just jump out and like, you know what? We're going to fucking help you because you're a Mandalorian. This is the way. And then you hear that throughout the whole uh, series is the way. The way of the Mandalorian. Can I just say the one thing I did not like about the Mandalorian personally was kind of the overuse of uh, little catchphrases. Like, I, I really didn't wasn't that big a fan of the whole this is the way thing or the uh, uh, with his I have spoken like it, it got old pretty fast I don't know I'm just right now because I have not seen it mm-hmm. so this is all new to me but as you explain it I am just envisioning like a poorly drawn Nigerian Yoda I know the way. Do you know yeah. the way? I know the way. <laughs> I, that I made that joke with my friend Casey when we first watched it. So. Oh, dude! When I was watching, I kept making that joke every time. This is the way. He knows the way. 
<laughs> and especially Follow blacks- him, brother. <laughs> especially to the black with the blacksmith lady, a queen. <laughs> She's the queen. She knows the way. <laughs> she knows the way. That's what I'm visualizing over here because I have no experience with the Mandalorian. The the Jawas speak on them, my brothers. <laughs> oh, dude, the the Nigerian Knuckles Mandalorian is my favorite meme Ugandan. lately. <laughs> Ugandan Mandalorians. Yeah, Ugandan. <laughs> I knew it was one of those countries. One of them. <laughs> I don't know the way. <laughs> Goblin does not know the way. No. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, um, you know, it's pretty sad though when the biggest selling point of you know your series, you know, one of the most memorable parts is a character who's just ultra adorable. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, the Mandalorian has gotten uh, quite a bit of positive. Okay, just sounds like you're fapping over there. Uh, yeah, um, shit. Anyway, it's gotten a lot of positive reviews and stuff for the the gritty, dirty Western vibe. You know, uh, basically all those people who have been crying over uh, the space Western that died serendipity long ago. But at the same point, is like the first thing people were talking about was a Baby Yoda. Yeah, like once he hit the scene, everything else got forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a shame, really. It's, it's like the kitten video of Star Wars. It's like, look at this one vine. It's really short. It's only 30 seconds, but it's so cute. Well, that that's one of the things, but it's really what a lot of people over-focus on. But I was looking more at the story of he has a change of heart. He has a conscience, and he goes through and takes care yeah. of his issues. Yeah, And he does his best to make right, you know, according to his code of honor. Yeah, and I think the acting... Um, I, again, this is just my layman's not knowing much, really anything about film, but I, I just think like the Mandalorian, his actor is just really good at being able to portray so much kind of like, uh, kind of inner conflict and emotion without seeing his face, you know, just like how subtle his movements are and stuff. It's like, it's especially that scene where he's in his ship and is it when he's wondering if he should actually go back for the little Yoda? Mm-hmm. Like that was a, that was a good scene. Looking at the different screens, looking yeah. back to where Baby Yoda was at, yeah, putting like, the little ball back on the fucking handle. Yeah, I really liked that. that like that, he's that. definitely very emotive without being able to show his physical features because and that's the really cool. Mandalorian code requires them to keep their helmet on and never remove it, otherwise they can never put it back on. The only caveats yeah. are to eat. And he found a loophole with the droid, final episode, spoilers, um, where, you know, he was hurt, droid had to look at his head, he's like, no, I'm not supposed to reveal uh, my face, I can never put my helmet back on, he's like, well, I'm not a living thing, so, yeah, fucking, takes his helmet off, you actually get to see the actor, he's still got his little fucking mustache and shit, it's hilarious, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, uh, Throughout the show, he goes on a series of adventures to try and keep the child safe, go to, like, the outer rim, stay out of places. <laughs> and, um, a whole lot of this, you see different characters come in and come out. Hell, they brought in Bill fucking Burr to play another fucking, like, uh, not so much a bounty hunter, but, uh, was he? he was a smuggler, basically. Okay. He was an outlaw. Yeah. Which was really fucking good to take a comedian like that, put him in a serious role where this guy is famous for being pissed off all the time, and that's exactly what his character is. 
pissed off all the time, and I loved it. I'm just thinking Frank Murphy in space. Oh, dude. Well, like the stuff you hand pull. over that little baby Yoda, or I'm going to put you through that fucking wall! <laughs> well, that's like the uh, one of the actors that... Oh, God, I can't remember his name right off bat, but... You know, he's been in a few movies. Uh, shit. Uh, Demolition Man. He was in that one. He had a TV show where he was a fireman. God damn it. He drives down the street in a giant gas guzzling car with baby seal eyes for headlights. Yeah! God damn it. I wish I remember his name. But he did some of the same things. They took a comedian and they're like, look, we want that high intensity in front of the camera. And he fucking pulled it off. Yeah. You know, so comedians can cross that threshold, you know, especially when they're given a role that said, hey, we want high intensity. Mm-hmm. And then they just like flip out in front of the camera and we're like, that's good print. Yeah, now the show does have its issues. They've got one where they he goes end up helping a village because it would be a place where he could keep the child safe and all that. There's also a romance with one of the villager <laughs> chicks, which is funny. Um, that's but some they... kinky shit since he can't take his helmet off. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's like the other meme going around of use your helmet. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's a Skyrim meme of like he puts his helmet on his hand and just you don't see his face because it's in uh, first person view. But he's using his helmet for everything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they've got that going. They end up facing a fucking um, ATST, the two-legged walker. Oh, the chicken walker. Yep. And uh, our buddy Narciss wrote damn near a thesis paper on everything wrong with the Mandalorian. That yeah. being one of the big ones, saying how... Well, they, they didn't mess up with some of the CGI, some of the background stuff, you know, like... This thing is blasting wooden wooden buildings, and they're not exploding. And that thing does not have a stun feature. But, you know, arguments can be made oh, low on power. It was just, you know, scrapped, and, and they picked it up. I think if you have to use an argument to justify something that isn't uh, readily obvious in a movie or TV show, then it's just, it's not a good uh, True. Which, which is, that is one of the flaws. They just messed up on a few little background details. But everything else, the story is great. Yeah, yeah, and he ends up coming back to where um, to the planet where he rescued the little one from the Imperial uh, holdouts. Yeah, and then this like Moff shows up, and he's got a Tie Fighter, and I see Tie Fighters do something I've never seen them do before. Not explode. (laughs) True, but this one comes in and its wings fold out so it can land, and little fucking uh, tripod legs pop out of it so it can. Actually land on the ground. Can I just say, um, on a side note, two of my favorite things that will always be my favorite things about Star Wars. Number one, the X-Wing, and two, I absolutely love TIE Fighters. Those are just some of the coolest, like, spacecraft design, I think. And I love, you know, kind of the, you know, the sound that they make. Mm-hmm. I love them. But, you know, that it's one of those iconic things, and they show a feature on it we've never been shown before. Because in all the other video games I've seen, those things just kind of hover, and then the bottom drops out so you can hop out. I don't know if this one was modified or what. But um, Well, technology changes over time. <coughs> I, I, I would think it would be safe to say, just in my own little uh, moniker Mandalorian theory here, that with the fall of the Empire, a lot of the TIE Fighters and things left over, since now I'm guessing... Uh, the Empire's kind of roping around and shattered war ba- bands and stuff. They're yep. probably heavily modified, you know, to personally suit the needs of their pilots and stuff. But that's just my theory. So. Oh, yeah. And there's just so many good stuff in it. You actually get to see stormtroopers react and interact with people. Yeah. 
Um, and a better thing is they didn't have enough uh, Stormtrooper outfits. So uh, they ended up calling on the 501st chapter uh, in one of the big towns near where they were shooting. Oh, really? And they pulled in like 50 some odd people from the 501st to st- and they stayed in uniform. They had the correct period uh, uniforms. They had all the different styles they needed to do all this movie shooting. So it saw that they reached out to the fan base. These are people who spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on their armor and going to places and conventions. Hell, they go to the balloon fiesta in my hometown because Star Wars is so big. It's just a Darth Vader balloon, but they show up at the airport in armor, escorted by security, and they have a guy come out in a Vader costume. Cool. Like, it is really big. It is awesome. And to see that they reached out and said, like, oh, well, we just need to make a bunch more of this armor and get a bunch of extras. No. They were like, 501st, we know they got this. We're just going to give them a call, give them a bit of money, feed them lunch. We'll do some shooting. Well, that's one of the cool things. And as much as people like to harsh on George Lucas, uh, up until he sold the intellectual properties to the evil empire. <laughs> hey, Pluto, look at Death Star. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ugh. But up until the point that he sold that off, he was very much adamant about participation with the fan base, with independent creators. Fan films almost always got greenlit. He rarely, if ever, went out of his way to snub somebody who went, you know, even if they crossed the line sometimes, he'd be like, hey, look. But that was about it. Like, he was very much uh, involved in the artistic community. And every year, Lucas. George, yeah, Lucas. Every like every year, uh, Adams Films would host a Star Wars like do your own little miniature movie thing. Oh, that's cool. And for a while there, Lucas was one of the award uh, presenters. Mm-hmm. You know, so he would judge the videos, and of course, he would always judge the the family friendly ones above and beyond the rest. <sighs> but I mean, there was a lot of great ones. And there was another one done by uh, Panic Struck Pro, one of my favorite uh, movies. It's about 45 minutes long called Star Wars Revelations. And it was basically about the fall of... It was a Vader's Secret Apprentice kind of thing. It's own little storyline. And there was the fall of a Stormtrooper involved in it with some flashbacks. And it was really a stand-up knockout thing. And Panic Struck Pro reached out to Lucasfilm. And they were like, do it. And they're like, well, do we need to sign anything? And they were like, make the movie. But do we need to make your movie? Mm-hmm. You know, that was the coolness of Star Wars when Lucas was running the show. And to see that there are people still embracing that. You know, yeah. reaching out to the fan base and the community and saying, hey, you guys are Star Wars fans. We're doing Star Wars stuff here. Come on, join in. Exactly. And that's one of the great things. The only thing I know that Lucas was super adamant about was uh, there. someone tried to do a... Uh, a book about Yoda's species and he completely kiboshed it. He said, no, destroy all your notes. This is not happening because with what the, one of the good things he did was give Yoda a super powerful, super old like species was like, yeah, no, this isn't happening because he's just supposed to be the old man. He's supposed to be like dungeon master in the old cartoon. He's supposed to show up, disappear. That's it. Give some wisdom Try to tell the young adventurer, hey, you know, cool your jets, learn some shit. 
So with what they're doing with the Mandalorian and having it be so that his end mission at the end of the series is to either return the child to his people or um, to uh, take care of him and raise him, that opens up some possibilities. They could actually find the home world of Yoda's species, which in the old lore was super secluded. They didn't like to leave. And the only reason Yoda... Uh, became a member of the Jedi was because he uh, was on a transport ship working for some people and they went down and there happened to be a Jedi there and his force abilities you know he joined but there were only three I'm of surprised he wasn't species. too old at 50 uh, I think he, he was in his hundreds I believe it was something correct me if I'm wrong Blasphemous <laughs> but every member of Yoda's species is like super force sensitive and like just almost like master level by default, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, uh... It's they... been a long time since I've checked in on the Star Wars lore, so... Well, the old canon, anyways. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I was... Yeah, was... the EU, which doesn't matter until Disney needs to pull some ideas. Yeah, yeah, it was probably old canon what I was reading back in the day, so... Yeah, so that's the thing, is Yoda species are all naturally highly gifted, and there were only three. There was Yoda... Yaddle. Yaddle, which you saw, uh... In episode one, she dies shortly after that on a peace mission to a world. Oh, I liked Yaddle. Uh, well, that's why you never see her again. I know. And then there was one more in the old days during, um, not Revan, because Yoda was around during the Revan era. No, he wasn't. He was around, uh, the other member of Yoda species was on the council during, um, Revan's whole deal, and he ended up dying with that, uh, thought bomb, I believe. Oh, the thought bombs are scary. Yeah. <laughs> Be gone, thought. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The door was open, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, that that's the thing with it is like this is exploring a part of the the whole fandom really that everyone has wanted to know, and it opens up some interesting possibilities. Because one of my favorite fan arts out there is of the child, you know, becoming a fully grown of Yoda species. But wearing Mandalorian armor. Yeah, that's cool. You know, and it, it just opens up a lot. And I feel they did really good with the writing. You know, they had a few CGI background issues. But otherwise, they, they made characters that you actually cared about. Yeah. And they did have a strong female in the in the show. But she wasn't like, oh, I don't need no man, nothing. No, she was just uh, a rebel shock trooper who, you know, dropped in, killed a bunch of uh, Imperials... And then retired and is just living out there by the strength of her own grit, and that's it. Can, can I say something about the Mandalorian that's kind of cool for me? Hmm. It's, um... One of the things about, uh, at least the original trilogy, super minor characters who barely said or really did anything, like... Dengar? Yeah, like Dengar. Like, a lot... He, they had their own fans. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I mean, like... Or yeah, like people are, well, yeah well, people, Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina. God damn, that book had so many fans mm -hmm. because they would tell the stories of like Bosk and Dengar and Forlom. Forlom, that was yeah. These names, Zuckus. yeah, and Zuckus. Man, these names became like canonized on the schoolyard. They were like, oh yeah, my dad was reading this book and I got to read it. And did you know Bosk did this, this, then, and, and like what? No, he was on screen for all of like four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, exactly. made a grunting sound. Yeah, exactly. And you know, with like the new trilogy, um, you know, and spinoffs, it's like I couldn't even tell you who some of the side characters are. You know, it's like because mostly because they just they they're just. There's nothing uh, memorable about them, but like just like episode nine, yeah. But like, um, just like Rogue One, yeah, especially. (sighs) But in the Mandalorian, like the blacksmith lady and kind of like the heavy weapons dude, Mm. you know, who really doesn't get along with the uh, with Mando, yeah, with Mando. I mean, those guys are cool. It's like I want their fucking action figures, especially the blacksmith. She's a badass. Oh yeah, yeah. But you love your Rose Tico. You know, actually, actually, one of the funny things <laughs> about right, that, too, right. the way you guys were talking about the blacksmith, it takes me off topic slightly to Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. One sec. Can we quickly, just because we established they know do we, can we refer to her as the Queen from now on? Uh, no. Because I'm still probably, like, getting, like, hate glares from people's ears about talking about... Crippled seating last episode. Crippled seating. So I'm not going to go as far as to start naming people Dick Queen. Dick Queen. Especially because I need to kneel before the King of Cripples and be like, I'm sorry. Oh, maybe. No one's, no no. one's making you do it yet, so just call her the Queen. Uh, he's probably cool with it anyway. I mean, he's an awesome guy. But the fact of the matter is, you guys are talking about the blacksmith chick. Like, she's yeah. like super awesome. She's strong. Yeah. She's independent, but she's not like swinging her clit around the, on everybody's forehead, marking her territory. Well, yeah, she's uh, the shock trooper. Yeah, and it takes me to Red Dead Redemption, because there's actually a character in that game that, like, all the fans love her. All the fans of Red Dead love her, even though you're playing James Marston or whatever the fuck his name is. John Marston. And, well, okay, it's a Western, so you're playing John Wayne Gacy, and fucking, you're riding around and you meet this gal and, you know, you can do things with her. Oh, not those things, oh. but involve yourself in dialogue and stuff. And it oh. turns out she's got pretty much the same kind of thing. You know, it's, it's an old West game. Mm-hmm. You know, so life is rough, and she's rolling with the punches. You don't need to tack on more than that. You don't need to make your character a political statement. You really don't. And that, that goes beyond women characters too. It's like you know, it's because uh, honestly, for a good story and anime commits this uh, crime a lot I don't need to know every tragic backstory you know I really don't I'll I'll just take your word for it that you know you're a villain or you're tough or whatever that's fine enough for me yeah a strong person you know they can roll with what life throws at them but they don't need to fucking piss all over your shoes when you walk in the door and be like ooh I am strong yeah yeah there's no need for that so the way you talk about the blacksmith and Mandalorian again I haven't seen it it sounds a lot like the uh, female character who played a huge role in Red Dead Redemption. And there are characters like that in video games that pop up from time to time where you're like, this person is actually very likable. You don't have to go out of your way to go, they're likable because I'm told they're likable. They're likable because you see how they interact with other people and people are like, hey, yeah. 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 Like uh, one of the scenes with the shock trooper lady in the final episodes... Um, what was it? She's basically on like a electric tether, right? And she's just having a barroom brawl with some people. Are betting on it. They've both got bets on it, and it looks like she's about to lose. And she ends up winning the fight. And like she collects her winnings, and she sits down to talk to Mando, blah blah. And then right before the scene closes, that guy walks by, tosses down a, a little 
ingot of metal, you know, their currency. And walks away and she's like, come again. And you see, you know, genuine interaction. Yeah. And that's one of the really nice things. Plus, she's super hot, so... That does help. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the uh, the blacksmith lady, she's there at the end because uh, in order for Mando to escape when the Mandalorians came in to help him with uh, with getting the child out of there, most of them died. Oh. So the black... You saw the final episode, didn't you? I actually only watched it the third episode. <laughs> well, you, you know what you guys are doing after the podcast. Uh, I don't right. have somebody. Disney no, somebody over here, yeah. Mr. Monitor, no, it, it's it okay for spoilers. I, it's fine. Yeah. Spoiled! So uh, the blacksmith lady... Uh, she's down there and she's just collecting all the scraps and being like, yep, this is what happens. They all knew what they were doing. You know, it's no one's fault. I'm just fixing what we got left. So she's t- uh, scrapping their armor, basically, so that they have raw material again. Um, you know, they uh, apparently they got some of the foundlings out of there and the other people who helped the Mandalorians. But she's just like, yeah, you know what? This is what it is. And then she takes some of that Beskar that was left. And it's like, you have earned your signet, because they all are supposed to earn a, a tribe symbol, basically. Is that what that symbol is on Boba Fett's armor? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the yeah. Mark of the Hard Shells. Uh, so, <laughs> you fucking <Yeah>. suck. <laughs> uh, so he earns the Mudhorn. Hmm. So she puts that on his shoulder piece he originally had made with that one piece of Beskar. Okay. Um, oh, and the then she's he's thinking of is a Reek? Reek, mm-hmm. that's what yes, that's called. Yes, R-E-E-K, Reek. I just remember that because my Beastmaster in Star Wars Galaxies has one. Mm. They are tank monsters. On that, on that other note, just real quick, what was the name of the Ackley, right? The big green one? The Ackley was the one that looked like a crab monster. Yeah, like, like almost like a praying mantis sort of. Yeah, that shit. was the Ackley. Okay, I just wanted to clear that the up. The other one starts with a V. It was like, I thought it was like Nixu or something like that, or Nexu. Oh, yeah. Ne- what, uh, the cat? Yeah, the yeah. cat. It's a uh, Nexa, I believe. Nexu? Nexu. Okay. I don't know. My Beastmaster also has one of those. Okay. okay. I didn't ask for it, but they just gave it to me anyway. But yeah, so he gets a mudhorn. She's like, you are now a, a a clan of two, basically. So it's him and the child. They are... You know, the child is a foundling. He has the option to raise him as a foundling. Huh. Or them, whatever. Um, Sir. I swear to God, I will stab you wow, from here. Wow, it's a... Uh... <laughs> Sounds almost like Witcher. Basically, but I don't know any of the stuff of well, Witcher. Okay, and Witcher. Okay, uh, actually, that does sound like the Witcher. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's continuing it, on, like it's uh, like Geralt and Siri. No, no, I'm talking about the video game, the last one to come out. Uh, when you're looking for Siri, and no, you're not going Siri. Show me where the monsters are. Bing, bing. No, it's that's not that Siri. Uh, but the Witchers have a. Tradition in the lore that when they do a job for somebody, since witchers are sterile from becoming the process of becoming a witcher makes them sterile, they can claim the child from someone and raise them to be a witcher in their place. So it's their way of basically procreating. So if I was a witcher, I come to this house, Monica's like, Look, do a job for me, and I'm like, Ooh, that's dangerous and shit. Then I come back and I'm like, Okay, your firstborn is mine. I can at one time demand that price out of somebody, and that child is raised in my place. So if I should die, that kid becomes the next Witcher. And of course, the Witchers all have their little symbols. You got the guys with the wolf uh, totem on. You got the guys with the snake totem. 
So it sounds a lot like Witchers. Like Mandalorian, the two of them are like almost interchangeable. Yeah, you know, that's probably not a coincidence, all things considered. Which well, is why... if the if the Mandalorian whips out a silver sword, we're fucking done. Because... Speaking of silver swords, oh no! <laughs> so the moth that shows up, his uh, fighter gets shot down because uh, Mando gets given a jetpack right there in the final scene before they leave the blacksmith. They end up having to go down a, a lava tube, basically. They got a an R2 unit with arms and legs fitted to it instead of the fucking rollers. And it's just hooked up to the boat, and it, like, gets you through the lava flow. It, it, it's weird. Um, <clears throat> it demands two coins for passage. No, it does it for free. Beep, boop, beep. Oh, man, I gotta go across the River of the Dead. No wonder people forget who they were. They melt! <laughs> but um River Stick sucks <laughs> just like the band <laughs> I cannot refute that but anyways um I like Come Sail Away fuck you guys <laughs> fuck you if you guys want to listen to real metal you guys gotta listen to Rainbow hell yeah <laughs> after the podcast but um so he gets a jetpack so they're being chased by this moth in a fucking modified TIE fighter. That's how I'm going to explain it. His fucking landing TIE fighter. Uh, so he's had very little... Uh, Mando's had very little training with a jetpack. Blasphemous. Is it a mothified TIE fighter? You have a Star Trek symbol on your Stormtrooper shirt. I, you know, I don't think that's a Star Trek symbol. I think that's just the way his armor is shaped. It's okay, like... guys. Guys. Oh, Blasphemous is telling a story, so let's mothball the t-shirt and move on with it. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that pun. Oops, sorry about the table. Oh, that's like two minutes we gotta edit out. Nah. No, that, 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 was, that was stupid enough that I think we can leave it in. <coughs> Anyways. This random artifact brought to you by the moniker. You're welcome. So... Uh, Mando has to, like, jump out and use his jetpack to shoot this thing down. Because they need to get the ship going and all that. He shoots it down and ends up, uh, you know, the, the ship crashes. You're like, oh, he's dead. It's cool. Mando gets on the ship. Him, the bounty, or the, um, him and the child get out. I can't remember whether or not, um... The queen. No, no, no. The, the queen's stayed behind. Uh, she's, she's down there scrapping metal. Okay. Um, but, uh, the Imperial Shock Trooper, I can't remember if she left, too. I don't remember. Um, so anyways, uh, you know, at least him and the child take off. Credits start to roll, and then it goes back to that modified TIE Fighter crash. And then he cuts out of there with what looks like a lightsaber. Huh. So it's one of those things of they're opening it up. And also, there's the episode of Bill Burr. They do a uh, prison heist before that to rescue a fucking um, Twi'lek. Which I don't remember Twi'leks having fangs. Male or female? Uh, they rescue a male, and it's oh. a female, which is his sister. No, oh. uh, it's weird sauce. Like, look at, when it comes to Twi'leks, I mean, the standard norm when people think of Twi'leks is they're just entertaining dance pots. Which is way off center base for them. Well, they were created by the Rakadin to be a food source. That too, but they're really their environment does not substantiate much beyond basic survival and yeah. stuff. So anyway, their uh, homeworld kind of sucks. Their homeworld, <laughs> yeah, real really sucks. 
when you look at uh, Twi'leks as normal, like you got the uh, white-skinned one that was in Jabba's palace. Uh, you got Una. I can't remember the one with the white skin. You had the um, or these Jedi in the prequels. Yeah, the Jedi in the prequel, Ayla. Dude, I had the biggest crush on Ayla. A Sakura. lot of people did. <laughs> uh, well, dude, she's that that, that physical yeah. frame she's got is just beautiful. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, so, you know, of course they come in different colors. There's also red ones, which they haven't really shown. There was a bl- uh, yellow one uh, they showed in the prequel trilogies who had obviously eaten way too much food in the background. There's also a blue one like that. Yeah, there's also a blue one like that. Uh, but the strange part is you look at... God, his name is not Subbulbog. What the fuck? Um, one guy. Fuck. Uh, asshole. Number one to bu- uh, Jabba the Hutt. Uh, the translator. The translator, who's... God damn it, I'm gonna remember it after the fucking podcast. For Hold fuck's on. Um, actually, interesting side note. That actor, uh, when they had um, Luke Skywalker walk into... Bib Jabba, Fortuna. Yeah, Bib Fortuna. Man, what a fortunate name. Anyway, Bib Fortuna, when he uh, first says to Luke Skywalker, the first words out of his mouth is Tewana Wanga, he ad-libbed that. Mm-hmm. And Lucas is like, you know, he's like, just make something up that sounds alien. And after that was over, he's like, look, you know, if you put subtitles on this, it's going to be uh, the language that Twi'leks use, and it's going to be, what do you want? So he literally, you know, was making up a language on the fly during filming, and Lucas... That's cool. Being who Lucas is, fucking greenlit that. So the official translation, when Luke walks in, he goes, Tewanawanga, what do you want? So, okay, I'm looking at a picture of Bib Fortuna right now. But Bib Fortuna did have fangs. He did have sharpened teeth. Yeah, he did. I'm yeah. looking at a picture of him right now. Yeah. I know he did. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, um, Bib Fortuna did. Uh, there are a couple of others. Uh, it's one of those weird things. Like, they've never really had a staple. Uh, it's kind of like humans and skin color, basically. Well, I mean, I've got the uh, Star Trek role-playing books over there, and it's got the Twi'lek page, and I'll have to look at it again. Is it, is it, like I said, it's like human skin color. Like some Twi'leks are green, some Twi'leks are white, some Twi'leks are blue, some humans are black, some humans are you know red, some humans are white. Uh, but there are physical differences, you know, mm-hmm. skeletal wise between different demographics of people, and they kind of rolled this over in the Twi'leks as well. Yeah. Like even with the head tentacles, there's differences uh, with the Leku between different uh, Twi'leks. Mm-hmm. Well, both of these were blue. But yeah, that's where they got Bill Burr coming in. They go to rescue this guy. It turns out it's a New Republic uh, transport ship. And they show how badass fucking X-Wings could be. Because they, they end up killing the pilot. And the pilot sets off like this emergency transmitter beacon. Which brings in a Republic strike force. Which is literally just three fucking X-Wings. There's a bunch of shit. They end up turning on the Mandalorian. Um, the Mandalorian goes through one by one. There's a, not a Zabrak, but the, the devil-looking guys. Oh, Devronians, yes. Yeah, there's a Devronian in there. Oh, there's a Devronian? And they show, because Mando's got the flamethrower, he tries to light him on fire, and the guy just comes out of there like, ha! Do, do you guys know who, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Vilmar Grok, was that his name? Vili? He went by? Uh... He was, like, one of the most popular, uh, like... Deveronians for the longest time. Is that the one in uh, the fucking cantina? It might have been. Yeah, I think that was him. Like, a real smartass. Yeah, just, I... Just kind of mouthed off to anyone. Honestly, yeah. though, if they do bring Zabrak into this setting, uh, 
being a little bit of a lower monger here a little bit, uh, that would be out of place. They they have Zabrak all around in backgrounds and really the the guy that the uh, shock trooper fights is a Zabrak. Yeah, that's a bit out of place. Uh, if I recall my Zabrak history correctly, I may or may not. I don't know. Leave a mention in the comments if I'm fucking up here. But I believe the Zabrak homeworld had yet to be discovered at that point. But They're, they still were prominent out in the galaxy. And they, in they Clone still, Wars, they were still prominent in the galaxy. But this, if Baby Yoda is 900 during the Clone Wars, and he's 50 in the Mandalorian, there's 850 years, and I believe the Zabrak would not be discovered for at least, I would say, 300 more years. Well, no, the the so this is taking place 20 years after the Battle of Yavin. Which is like, oh, so Baby Yoda really isn't Yoda. It is not Yoda. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Because I was making the assumption that Baby Yoda was Baby, literally fucking Yoda. No, that that's the thing I I've argued with people online. Okay, because uh, then in, I rescind my entire argument about Zabrak. Because the entire, besides, this is after the the uh, New Republic. These were Rebellion Shock Trooper. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So the Battle of Yavin happens approximately 20 years happens, so this is approximately 20 years before episode fucking 7. Okay, yep. You, you have cleared up uh, something I did not know. I thought literally, because the way everybody was describing it was Baby Yoda. Well, so... without having a name for the species, that's why Disney officially labeled it the child. Yeah, he's just... All I every time I look on the interwebs about this shit, they say Baby Yoda, mm. and of course, right now they're really low on Toyota. <laughs> Punny. But ISIS really love Toyotas. They do. Those things are harder than shit to kill. <laughs> it's like cockroaches on a decent vehicle. Well, Toyotas made between uh, eighty five so, and two thousand nine. Uh, Ow, god damn it, Brain is now hurting Star Wars lore. Ow. Weren't the Mandalorians defeated and expunged after trying to fight the Jedi? Like That's what I thought. Like, okay, the, the, Mandalorian, the Mandalorian Wars, when they actually tried to carve out their own section and the Jedi slaughtered them, it brought them back to a very low point. But they do what they always did, which is part of why... You don't have to be a Mandalorian born on Mandalore. Well, actually, they're not even from Mandalore. They're from Coruscant. But to be a Mandalorian bounty hunter is simply to be picked up as a child of any species. There's Mandalorians of all different races. And then you're raised in the Mandalorian way. Because the actual Mandalorian race, the lizard people that lived on this Coruscant, they were all killed off. But they passed on their uh, knowledge and culture. culture to people of all kinds of races who they just picked up and raised to be that. Yeah, we failed horribly, so we're going to kidnap your child and teach him our ways. No, they mainly picked up orphans. They take them off of battlefields, whether they made them an orphan or not. Uh, yeah, because uh, like, from over there, my brain was starting to hurt, so... That makes sense, you know, if, like, there was, like, some small conclaves that were still alive. Because that's, that's how they survived, because the Empire, uh, while well, it was right after the Clone Wars, because uh, Mandalore features heavily in the Clone Wars, um, uh, the Mandalorian homeworld, 
their new homeworld, ends up getting completely um, bitch-smacked. The Empire goes and kills a shit ton of them, takes their Beskar, turns it into the highest form of currency. It's like platinum in D&D. You get one thing of that, you're, you're set for life. That's fucking $10 million. So Beskar is made as a currency. Mando does the job to get the child because he is offered like 50 bars of freaking um, Beskar. So he's pretty much offered just... Here's your suit of armor. Yeah. So that's the whole thing about it. Okay, okay. But in terms of... That, that clears up some things because like... I thought originally this was set earlier on in the time period closer to the Old Republic. Okay. So like the Mandalorians would be running around in mass... And, of course, Baby Yoda kind of makes a little bit of sense because the timeline is a little wibbly-wobbly in that area thanks to expanded universe stuffs and whatnot. So it's like, okay, Baby Yoda, Mandalorian still running around, all is cool. And then, like, you turn around and you say, no, it's not Yoda, it's Baby... Of Yoda's species. Baby uh, X. Chemical X! It's the Powerpuff Yoda. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wait, did the Mandalorians get killed? So, like, the whole time scale is just, like, wibbly-wobbly in my head. I'm just like, I need a TARDIS to figure this out. But it makes sense that there was a small enclave living, because I thought they were pretty much wiped the fuck out. And the way they alluded to it, uh, even before the prequel trilogies, is that Boba Fett was among, if not the last... Yeah, so this takes place 20 years after he fell into the fucking Sarlacc pit and all that. Approximately. But... Oh, man, it just dawned on me. Boba Fett is totally dead now because they got rid of EU. Instead of the book where he but comes back. But in Mandalorian, or in the Mandalorian show, there's a uh, Imperial assassin who's supposed to meet someone on Tatooine. And she's out in the desert. She gets gut shot by another bounty hunter kid who teams up with Mando to try and take her out and make his name in the uh, industry. At the end of that episode, someone walks up wearing brown shoes and metal leg braces, just like him. So this would be... Dengar. <laughs> well, they'll of course, leave it to Disney to go, oh, the U EU doesn't matter until we need ideas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that was one of the problems I had, uh, heralding back to our last podcast, um, was the line that Ray threw at Emperor Palpatine, and he threw a line back at her, uh, was like almost, almost, not quite, but close enough out of one of the Expanded Universe books when Leia was fighting Vader. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they tossed similar lines at each other, and I'm like, ah, oh, Disney! You can't throw it in the garbage and then rifle through the garbage and pick out what you want. Do you know uh, what you mean they threw it in the recycling so they could reuse what is uh, yeah. actually useful? Do you know what I miss? Do you guys, do you guys remember Kyle Katarn? I miss Kyle Katarn. I shot him. <laughs> what? I play a lot of Star Wars games. <laughs> I got his Katarn armor. It was good stuff, and I needed an upgrade, so I shot him. His Katarmer. Yeah, I got his Katarn armor. <laughs> his Katarmer. <clears throat> his Katarmer. Katarmer. <clears throat> okay, so Mandalorian, because I'm assuming that whoever's listening to this cast may or may not be as clued in as me. So when you're doing this cast, remember, I am the tard over here. I don't know the time schedule or who's in it or what they're doing. So, you know, Baby Yoda. 
<laughs> mind blown. Okay. Remember, like when you're talking about TIE Fighters and, you know, the Empire. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, Mandalorians are running around all over the place. But there was more than one Empire. But why would they have same titles as Moths? Well, the no. Sith Empire also had Moths. Yeah, I just... But you're talking about an Empire and TIE Fighters, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? So, yeah, the TIE Fighter didn't come out until Episode 3 uh, of Star Wars. Um, the Sith Empire died out approximately a thousand years before the events of A New Hope. If this gets any worse, they're going to bring in the fucking uh, Forge. The Star Forge? Yeah, the, the Infinite Chip Builder? And you know what? Side note, that's gotta be what Palpatine was using in Episode 9, because they were on a planet with no fucking resources. Did Palpatine just go there and be like, haha, I'm stealing one from Star Wars, Forced Unleashed. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, the... Uh, Star Forge. Well, no, the Star Forge existed before that in canon. Yes, it did. In canon. Old canon. Old canon, which got tossed out. I know. But yeah, I just... I, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, I'm sorry to like super nerd out. And, no, like, go ahead, super nerd intricacies, out. everybody. But it's one of those things of this show rectifies a lot of canon stuff, and they're talking about something I'm very hopeful in the future. The next group of movies, if they do them, hopefully after they've kicked out Kathleen Kennedy and <laughs> brought in the guy who is directing, but really he's just a directing manager. They're currently uh, on suspension right now. The movies. Mm -hmm. The Obi-Wan movie is on life support, really. I don't want an Obi-Wan movie. I don't. Yeah, the the uh, movies that got slated are... They have dates for them, but they're not solid dates. Yeah, but the rumor mill right now, because I'm in a bunch of Star Wars groups on Facebook and other online platforms, the big rumor is that they're going to go and do a... Um, old Republic storyline so they can go back and set up a bunch of this canon to fix a bunch of issues, I guess. And that it is being offered to a couple different directors. Yeah, I've heard about the old canon stuff because on TV, Mandalorian has actually gotten some people to have a little bit of faith in the new um, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Me being one of those people, I'm just <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah, there are there's some people who have faith in what's left of it, thanks to... Uh, the Mandalorian, but there are a lot of people who are looking at it. They're like, if you screw up the New Republic or the Old Republic, they are fucking done. Yeah. If the Old Republic gets screwed in any way, shape, or form, there are people ready to fucking light pitchforks and torches them. Just kill the monster! This is the only way I can see they can save it. They do the Revan storyline. They get fucking Keanu to play it. You and your memes. <laughs> Come on, I'm tell not, me you don't I'm not saying it's a bad decision. Yeah. Oh man, now you just made me reminded me of the uh, Rianu Keeves from Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, what would be really interesting, in my opinion, like like you're saying, you know, if they do it right and stuff. And honestly, this if they really super wanted to do something that would like strike whamming kind of stuff, they would do Kreia as she's originally written. Ooh, that would actually be really nice. Kreo is like the penultimate good, bad, anti-hero, villain, hero, all wrapped into one. And, you know, like, 
My storylines, we've said in previous podcasts, are like wheels within wheels. And this gal is just a master M.C. Escher painting of just convoluted wheels within wheels. But her end goal is actually just. Yeah. You know, so if they were to do a Kraya storyline, you know, even Revan or Kraya, one of those two, I would I would watch Kraya first. Just for the fact that she is fucking butt-ass scary. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... You know where her scary is coming from. You you can relate to that. She's like, I hate to say it, but she's kind of like a Thanos character. Yeah. You know? So, Kraya would be a great storyline if they did it in an old Republic movie. I think that would be good. Or they could go back even further and do the um, hyperspace wars. If you want to go back, that's a good starting point. Because I don't think they should touch the Jedi... Because then they're going to change him to be the Grey fucking Jedi. Which is fucking dumb. Grey Jedi are not a thing. I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> I'm sorry. There are Grey Jedi. There are. I, I have to argue this the case. There are Grey Jedi. I've seen pictures of them. They typically come down from the sky, mutilate cows. One of them crashed over by Roswell. God damn it. They live in Area 51. <laughs> It's just, yeah, they're, they got big heads and the silly robes on. <laughs> and they have a tendency to anal probe people for no fucking reason. Wait, do they also explode? <laughs> just, every time somebody says Grey Jedi, I imagine Greys wearing robes. <laughs> I literally, I do. Well, like, the only old... thing that can defeat them is if you Naruto run away from them. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but no, because uh, if they went back and did the like origins the the Rakuten infinite empire versus the the jedi who were ones who actually used light and dark and found a balance you know and they they brought in the era where the lightsaber didn't even exist they were still using swords and then you bring in the the force sabers and the proto sabers i mean that, that's a lot that's too far back that's too much world building for them to do in a movie or series. I, I would say leave the Rakatans and all that as myth lore. Yeah. I mean, it's so far back in history, it might as well be myth lore. Which is where they could go to the hyperspace wars, which is where the Republic was actually founded. You know. Yeah. I, we'll see what they do with the Old Republic. Uh, on that note, though, speaking of TV shows, <laughs> I actually did see the news here recently and confirmed it. Our favorite guys who screwed up Game of Thrones. Yeah, HBO, when they came back, they got a big fucking thumbs down. Yeah? Yeah, they uh, they approached HBO recently. They're like, hey, you want us back? We're great writers. Look what we did for Game of Thrones. And HBO is like, there's the door, bitches. Oh, so they lost their Netflix deal as well? They are... They're looking for work. Oh, well, it... <clears throat> They were doing good until all this PC shit came up, and then they completely... Some people try to argue that they were trying to like set up through the whole thing, this ending. But it, there's an entire tonal shift in the final season of Game of Thrones. The last two seasons. Uh, so, yeah. And, and then and when I was looking up uh, stuff about the Old Republic, because yeah, I did see uh, scribblings about... Old Republic, and the, their names were like one of the ones where people are like outright no. Uh, <laughs> what was it, Weiss and Cooper? 
Oh, God. Yeah. The guys who did the final episodes of Game of Thrones. Yeah, they, uh, because when the first word of new, oh, when the newly unveiled information, there we go, now I used new in the correct term. When the newly unveiled information of Old Republic came out and people were like talking about directors, somebody threw their name on the fucking chat board. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were trolling or if they're in a fan or what, but the shitstorm that followed was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would rather have Uwe Bull fucking take a crack at it. Well, from what I was hearing, they were going after, um, not the last Airbender guys. Uh, they had just done a big uh, TV show not that long ago. I, I'll have to look it up. But yeah, there there were some people who I think would actually do it well. I just can't really think because it is god late in the day. We got a late start today. Yeah, we did. What, what time are we sitting at? One hour. Yeah, I guess it's time for final thoughts. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, this is where we're going to introduce... Sorry, this whole episode was about The Mandalorian. I am terrible at explaining. Fair enough, dude. I but, ranted for an hour last week. So, this is where we bring in that new session we talked about last week. Oh. Rapid Fire. Oh, I was thinking about doing that, um, shit. Season 4. Season 4. Well, here's a sneak peek. Alright. You're gonna get a thing called Rapid Fire. That's your sneak peek. Enjoy. Yep. I haven't even made a sound clip for it yet. God damn it. Okay, Rapid Fire. Topic is going to be, uh, because I was unprepared for this shit. You know what? Since we're doing a Star Wars episode, Star Wars. Rapid Fire. How do you think they should shake down stuff in the upper management of Disney? Real quick, I think Kathleen Kennedy needs to go. Ryan Johnson needs to go. J.J. Abrams needs to go. Anybody who was sucking on their buttholes during that whole time of making the trilogy and even the other two standalone movies need to fucking go. They need to sit down, the guys who are throwing the money around, and rethink their fucking strategy. Because really, what they're doing is just hemorrhaging money. So my rapid fire thought on that, it's time to clean the swamp. Drain that shit out, bring in a new team, maybe find some new guys who have some wild ideas, and reconnect with the goddamn fans and listen to us, because we're passionate about this. We have decades and generations under our belt. So, all I can say is, you know, listen to us a little bit. Stop doing your own thing, stop listening to the PC culture, and make give us a fantasy movie that we can just sit down and mindlessly enjoy for 90 minutes and be like, that was really fucking good. Pa-pow! Uh, rapid thoughts, Star Wars, what they should do with Disney, huh? Uh, uh yeah, just, just it, bring in some new blood, some, you know, real risk takers, you know. Someone who's not so willing to, you know, I mean, granted, it's gonna take some balls at this point, but, you know, someone who's just, just shoves it in their face and says, no, I have the right idea, you know. I, I'd almost like some arrogance like that, maybe. So long as it's, you know, used for good. Go. All right, quick rapid thought. Um, they should take the people who are working on the Mandalorian because they are technically a separate group at the moment. Take them; they're doing a really good job. Just let them do an overall uh, new Star Wars revamp. Also, completely decanonize those three movies. Yes, and that's all I got. Agreed. All right, man. That's uh, Blunt Force Gamers for the uh month of january or so and we're going to be going to radcon here soon so if our episodes wind up getting delayed don't be surprised uh we are going to be busy as fuck and other news it is super secret we are almost done with pre-production on dungeons and dipshits Woo. woo uh three of the people have contacted me back so we are almost done with pre-production 
and I'll be up to my fucking eyeballs in editing once we get done filming. So, other than that, that's the big news. Game Goblin out. Moniker out. Darth Blasphemous signing off. What I've got is a Star Wars movie that's so great. It hasn't been made yet, trust me. You're going to see it, and it's going to be great. And if you don't like it, the movie just got ten feet taller. <laughs> that's that. All right, see you next season, everybody.